0: And welcome to the Dave VR podcast, my name's is Sean and joining me as always is the one only Dante Boff, Mr. Boffa man, how are you? I'm relieved because I
1: spent about 25 minutes, as you know, trying to figure out what I'm doing on Thursday night and I just couldn't remember what it was, I knew there was something mm. and just before we started recording I remembered that yeah. I'm watching the footy at the pub with my housemate, so...
0: Can, can you, palpable can, you imagine, can you imagine how underwhelmed I was when I was sitting here going, fuck, Dunday must have something on. Like, he's been thinking about it. He said he was sitting in the car for three minutes and he goes, he must be doing something really serious on Thursday. And he goes, oh, I'm going to the pub watching the footy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Scribbles in his little book. It's like, dude, like, that doesn't take much thinking. That should be the baseline and then things happen before and after.
1: No, I'm just trying to... A, it is important to watch Brisbane absolutely dismantle the pies. Um, but I'm just trying to conceptualize what the rest of my week looks like because I'm, you know, I'm a busy person, got a lot of things going on. I need to know when's the footy, when I'm watching it. Um, and sometimes things just slip the memory and that mm-hmm. fills me with a deep sense of dread that I like to avoid. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll quickly pivot from that and change the topic to what I'm doing on Wednesday night, which is, uh, seeing David O'Doherty, uh, in the, what's it called comedy festival. Who's that? You know, him. Is the, he's the comedian David O. Doherty. Doherty 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 Irish bloke yeah but one of those Irish like Matt lives, lives like in Matt Australia. Doherty from, uh, from Spurs he's sure wing back from Spurs ah uh, those Spurs not yeah, yeah. The, this bloke oh that's gonna come up on the mic. nah i never seen him before he's like he, he goes on countdown looks like a
1: poor man's Jim Owen
0: yeah, well, he is. Um, but Jamal was not playing this year, and I, you know, yeah, I've seen Jamal in like three out of the last four years. Yeah, you got a Jamal in and, poster in the room, and Dad and I were like, it might be time to move on. So, oh no, <laughs> as in like, you know, just expand your horizons. Just expand yeah. your horizons to a different Irish comedian. Yeah, but yeah, not, um, don't expand them too far. Don't expand them too far. But he, um, he sings this really nice skit which you might like about Grand Designs. Where he just, oh
1: taught. my god, I've recently started following No Context Grand Designs on That's Instagram. Right.
0: Welcome hilarious it's (laughs) so (laughs) fucking funny yeah it's um it's pretty fucking off meta uh and in that way i would say it's meta and more of a i'm done but um have you watched uh the iron chef nah
1: that's a cooking show cooking show but you
0: know how it used to be on sbs when you were little and it just gave you really like creepy vibes is it like a
1: daytime cooking show yeah yeah or like a master show well
0: daytime slash 9 p.m onwards um they've just renewed it for another season and then my, my mate at work was telling me about it um, it actually sounds really, really funny because these dudes get—they just get a random, a random uh, ingredient that they don't know about. You got like the master chef and then the chef, and they go up and they get this random ingredient, like octopus, and they have to make as many dishes as they possibly can in an hour. So it could be like five entrees, two mains and stuff. And they just like, just like going off, they're sweating. And it's like Japanese, so it's sort of filmed like an anime. And it's like super serious. And the dude's like cutting ass where they speed up the cutting skills as well. And then he's just like whisking as fast as he possibly can. The sweat dripping into the sauce. It's disgusting. Um, but it's, it's just like a montage of these dudes. And the, the commentators just always just constantly slagging off the challenger.
1: That would be so good to watch stoned Mm. just to sit down and watch like four or five episodes of that in a row Mm. whilst you're just munching on something
0: yeah yeah. not Um,
1: that I know what being
0: stoned is like (laughs) read it it in a book but we are here for a reason Mr. Boffman my man and we are here to finish off our over under re-reviews looking at who won the over-unders? Who is the smartest basketball mind out of the deep two cognoscenti? Um, no one told me to say that word. I just used it in a sentence. So that let's so on brand. Let's kick it off uh, with the first team, your 2019 NBA champions, the Utah Jazz. That's what we said about 30 episodes oh, ago. He well, didn't say it. So, <laughs> so their number was set at 52 and a half wins. We both hit the over and we were both wrong. They ended up with 49 wins. Um, I remember sitting there thinking, well, of course the Utah Jazz is gonna win heaps of games. This was actually, I think, by comparison to, if you'd extrapolated out their COVID number, this was seven wins less than uh, than the year prior. Um, so we're like, what, this team got seven wins worse after doing nothing but adding Rudy Gay. And I really liked the addition of Rudy Gay. I thought he added an element of versatility and he wasn't washed. Um, Turns out, uh, neither of those things were happening. Um, and I was listening to, listening to a pod the other day. Um, give me a shout if you've already heard this, because I actually can't remember what pod it was. But um, if you go back and listen to the first game of the season um, for the Utah Jazz and listen to the home broadcast, have you heard this story? No. And you listen to the home broadcast, like, you can imagine the Nuffies that are doing the Utah Jazz broadcast, right? And they're sitting there, and Rudy Gay checks in, comes off the bench, playing next to Rudy Gobert. You got the Rudy Squared, and then, like, you know, someone someone makes a play swings it out to Rudy Gay and Rudy Gay drains the three and the commentator's like that's why we brought him here he's versatile he hits threes you Chargers." <laughs> and it's like dude you, you hit threes like you're one of the best teams at hitting threes like don't put that much pressure on Rudy Gay he doesn't fix all your problems he didn't fix all their problems um, I, I don't feel bad about losing this over under I think this is a bit of a hard one um, but, but what do you think as, as a fellow loser Mr Buffer
1: I'm just embarrassed with this one because we were both extremely... We thought it was preposterous to be set so low.
0: Um, I still think it's preposterous.
1: Particularly when this team has been, probably along with Milwaukee, the preeminent regular season wins racker opera of the last three to four years. An absolute regular season juggernaut. Um, so there was lots of you know that in and of itself is like all right maybe we get a, maybe we get a pass for not uh, predicting that they would fall off like semi dramatically or dramatically compared to last season's win total. Mm. But looking back, it's like meh, you know, like you could have seen that Rudy Gay was going to be old, and then what are the only other notable additions? They they added Hassan Whiteside, yeah, essentially. Which, that, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Like, as but, a but that's not that's not tipping, you know, Rudy Gobert's playing thirty two, thirty three minutes a game. Like that's not tipping anything yeah, re- yeah, realistically. Yeah. I think they've just finally, aside from all of the sniping, the infighting and the obvious chemistry issues mm. that have existed, you know, between the two stars and now, you know, Quinn Snyder potentially flirting with leaving and obvious like stuff going on inside the building yeah um they've kind of been exposed on the perimeter with just no wings who can defend anybody while still shooting threes Mm. which has been their problem for the last three or four years like every single wing that they've ever cycled through that can hit threes just like a turnstile with the exception of Royce O'Neill who's neither a brilliant defender nor a great shooter
0: um so looking back
1: maybe maybe we could have
0: seen this coming but um, I I still wouldn't because like they're, they're still a good team and like yeah the in, the infighting's bad and whatever but they're still like good teammates and they're still good players and it's not like either of them got traded um, and and all in all like they had a fine season like it's really yeah. going to come down to it in the playoffs because they've had plenty of fine seasons and we all know it's like if you crumble to Marcus Morris and Nick Batum again like you are fucked with the Capital F. Well
1: and they might be fucked regardless because I think that like if you could get a and not that we condone gambling. Here on the Dead Air Podcast because we absolutely don't. Uh, well, you know, sports gambling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's put, here nor there.
0: put Dante on a roulette wheel <laughs> and his eyes light up. Him and Tubby Taylor just <laughs> literally, <spit it.
1: laughs> literally love the bricky's laptop. I can't get enough of it. Down at the down at the the
0: Junction TB uh, in Mooney Ponds. The one armed bandit. The Rollies. Yeah. Somewhere.
1: Somewhere. Uh, somewhere near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, if you could get like early odds on what the over-unders are before the off-season for this team, I reckon that would be very interesting to see what the numbers are. Because what happens in the off-season? Quinn Snyder might go. Rudy Gobert and Jonathan Mitchell, that seems like that's potentially coming to a bit of a head.
0: Mm-hmm. They've
1: got minimal assets. Their salaries are all tied up in uh, you know the two stars, Bogdanovich and Conley. What happens here with this team next season when it all seems to be you know going down if there's a first or even second round playoff exit like what happens surely they don't run it back for a fifth consecutive year of losing in the second round with the same cast of characters so i reckon that would be really interesting i think next season it's going to be very difficult to pinpoint where they i I
0: I think we should because this is totally not what we want out of the over-unders but this is something we should talk about on a pot of its own um possibly when the Jazz eventually get eliminated by whoever it is, because there's a couple of things going on here that we just need to know what happens. Because right now, came out this morning that... Uh, Luka Doncic is in a walking boot and if he isn't 100% going into that series it's like shit are the Jazz not going to lose in the first round and all of a sudden you can just like cl- cling at some form of success getting past the first round um, and the Dallas Mavericks and the Toronto Raptors last week per Mark Stein uh, expressed interest in Rudy Gobert if he was to become available uh, via trade which I love both of those de- destinations for Rudy but let's let's talk about this much more when they do get eliminated because Look, it's not it's not Sean Carroll in episode three of the Deep NBA podcast. I, my my out there pick of picking them to win the title has has burned me uh, a few times. So now I just sit there and, and put all my hope in Jordan Poole winning an award.
1: Well, I man, you know that that looks like it's actually a fairly decent shout. So <sighs>
0: Kevin O'Connor put him second, yeah, in his awards today behind who for the MVP. For MIP. It's oh, dude, I thought you were serious, but um, hey, he is good. Behind
1: who for the um, MIP?
0: Miles Bridges. <laughs> wow, well, that, uh, that ship sailed. Yeah, that ship has sunk. It was. Even. Great radio. Kevin mm-hmm. O'Connor.
1: Oh, Huge on. radio. Who else? I'm trying to think. Is there's
0: DeJounte Murray. There's Darius Garland. Yeah, true. So he goes Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, Jarmorant. Interesting. Yeah, Torres Maxey won't win it, if I have anything to say about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which you do have a lot to say about it.
0: Yeah, I'm actually getting a vote next year.
1: Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm really popping off for you.
0: (laughs) You're telling me what a beautiful transition, and every time I say that, you say it's not a beautiful transition if you say it, but the Denver Nuggets, whose over-under was set at 48.5 wins, and on the last day of the NBA season... Austin Reeves with a 30-point triple-double and a steal and a layup to force overtime to beat the Denver Nuggets and steal away their 49th win for the season and sealing my under-prediction and eliminating your over-prediction. The Denver Nuggets went under their 48.5 for the season, getting just 48. And I get this point here, but I think the discussion you and I were having at the start of the year was, okay, Nicola Jokic still really good. I said Jamal Murray is not going to play for the whole entire season. I will take my victory lap now. Um, But you just couldn't predict the Michael Porter Jr. stuff. I was looking at this team as a team with two stars and I really thought Michael Porter Jr. was going to put together a most improved player campaign. But that didn't work. He had major back issues and ended up having surgery in December. So... We we couldn't really expect this, but the fact that they got so close to this number when they were predicting two stars to be on the court, and there was just one like credit to Nikola Jokic for for pulling them up. Yeah, well, I mean, even outside
1: of any statistical uh, case, like that, that is essentially like the the crux of the the MVP debate for Jokic, which shouldn't really be an MVP because they essentially were as good as they were expected to be. Yeah, with with much more limited cast of characters, but I mean, obviously, we talked about it early in the season how bad MPJ was when he was actually playing. He played nine games and and averaged like nine points or something. So um, it's not like in the early season he was contributing and yeah. he was wiped and out. And then he stopped. Yeah. Um, and there's no one really on the team who you look at and you're like that's a really good role player
0: like Monty Morris
1: yeah okay Monty Morris and Gordon but it's it's not like they're stacked with like you know you're not looking at the you're not looking at the the Jay Greens and and you know Bones Highlands turned on in the. the but what do you mean good role
0: player like what are you looking for
1: well players who you would say like in a season like this you can kind of play a little bit above your head yeah and do a little bit more and it's like no he's actually playing with like an average NBA roster and he's yeah, elevating yeah. them to just like, you know, unforeseen
0: heights, um, they, purely got, on the back of his own brilliance. The the guys they do have in Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon and, and Monty Morris and Bones Highland, they are all going to play wonderful roles when this team's at full strength, but you're right. Like they're, they're not, uh, I misunderstood you. They are not playing, you know, above their head. Yeah. But, and next year they're going to be excellent in the small cubby holes that they have. But yeah, kudos, Nikola Jokicu, like very quickly, Dante—is he going to win the MVP in your eyes? Yeah,
1: yeah, he has to. He has to. He has to. <laughs> I, I um, I put him first, Yanis second, and Embiid third.
0: It was um, I would do the same. Um, That's it was so uh, cute. we should have a podcast. It was <laughs> I was listening to, I think it was Mo Dekeel and Donny Larue on uh on Real Gem Radio, but Nate Duncan's actually gone and had a kid Well, his wife has um, so he took the week off. So Mo Dekeel was actually subbing in for him on yeah. the Dunk Don Prime What's podcast. Sure. <laughs> I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. So they were they were just talking about you know the season so far, doing a lot of recap for the end of the year and bloody blah, blah. And they were talking about the MVP debate, and they said like one one thing to you know wh- whatever your whatever your side of the MVP debate is, make sure that when you're talking about it, you're putting forward a case for your player, not trying to bring bring down another player or another fan base because. Like, you know, PSA, holistic. PSA, Sean Carroll to all of his, uh, to all of his listeners out there. Like it is getting a little bit toxic out there where it's like, instead of saying, Hey, Nikola Jokic is having an incredible season. So, you know, people are saying like, Oh, look at that bum. Yeah. Essentially that bum over there, Joel B doing this despite having a, a Hall of Famer and James Harden as a teammate and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, just, just for the future, Mr. Unce, even though I know you're the perfect person to do this, um, keep it positive.
1: Yeah, well, positivity is my middle name. I thought it was um,
0: accountability.
1: Nah, accountability is the middle name of the podcast. It's uh, the Deep 2 NBA accountability podcast. Uh, um, just like... A, i just been on Twitter trying to find Nate Duncan's child's name. Because it, <laughs> it, would, it would either be something so white bread like Steve. Or it would be, because his wife is a yoga teacher, it would be something like cringeworthy, like new age. Um, this bloke tweets like... 50 times a day. For a bit of context. Is there something self obsessed about people who use Twitter this way? Like, that you're literally just putting any base of news or any thought you have about anything out there. Like, mate, you were getting. Like, I'm obviously. I don't use Twitter, if you you can't tell. Like, I'm not familiar (laughs) with the nuances. But he's got a 100,000 followers and he's putting out tweets that get like five comments and two retweets. And it's like, what's the point? At what point do you think that maybe you just seem to be even more selective? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Wait,
0: just for a bit of context, you dislike the guy, I love the guy.
1: No, I think he's an intelligent person. I listen to his podcast every week. He's just got an annoying voice. Uh, a
0: lot of, a lot of um, people on Twitter do just apps. you know, quantity over quality on the tweets.
1: Why? What's the point?
0: Um... Because the whole thing is, you know, feel, be, you're right. It is a bit self obsessed, but everyone doesn't.
1: Like, apparently, like it is, you know, like he's tweeted three times on the same day about Luca's injury. Let leave that for Woj. Woj should be the one that tweets about the injury updates. You don't need to tweet about the injury updates.
0: I think if if you compare that to some of the people that are on Twitter who are just like, <coughs> you know, their, their Twitter feed, they'll be they'll be posting three times in an hour as well. But they'll be like hella high right now. Hey, how do you beat this boss in Elden Ring? Compare that to a dude who's like giving good substance for all of his massive tweets.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, is this like an old man yells at Cloud moment? Like yeah, I, I
0: just don't really understand it. I don't reckon you're as old as you say you are, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Boff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's move on to a team that is very old, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, that was a shit segue. Their number was set at forty-four and a half wins. We both hit the under. Uh, we we were cautious about this this under because obviously Dame could have got traded at any moment. I was cautious because yes, the Dame trade, but also like I don't trust Yusuf Nurkic as far as I can throw him to stay healthy and stay on the court. Uh, I was extremely extremely spot on for doing that because Drew Eubanks actually produced more for this team than their starting centre did. Uh, and I think it sounds pretty chalk. We, we both did a good job here at recognising the risk.
1: Well, the only... I went under because I was convinced that Dame was going to get traded. I thought he was going to get traded to Philly. Um, but there, so I was like, if he gets traded at any point, the season's down the toilet. Little did I know, Dame and Michael Porter Jr. must have been working out together in the off-season because when Dame did play, he wasn't very good. And mm-hmm. then he
0: just, you know... Hurt himself slash shut yeah, down yeah. for half the season. He he did say, um he did say just before the trade deadline, he goes if we're rebuilding and it's clear to see after the deadline was gonna shut down for the rest of the year. So he, he seemed to be healthy after the deadline, but obviously there's there's bigger things to do here. Also, um Chauncey Billups with some of the, the most beautiful tanking like obviously they, they won the tank off against OKC yeah. last week, but some of the most beautiful uh tanking decisions he's ever made where he'll be like you know, down three and he'll fail to try to get the ball back, but like, or he'll be down two and he fails to get the ball back, but then puts them on the line. So he's making some like coaching decisions to lose games. Like, you know, it's not even like the process where it's like, okay, the guys are trying on the courts. Like, no, this coach is actively losing games. Um, um, job security. Yeah, job security.
1: But also, like, I just wanted to mention, along with OKC, the lineup decisions that Portland's been putting out there for the last six weeks, some of the, the true like the most truly uh like hinky-esque lineups mm. that are out there. Like you look at the box score and you're like, who the fuck is that? But it's about seven guys. And then OKC okay, who so we'll touch on a little bit later, they've gone the other way, where they're playing six players. They have played six players for essentially the last two weeks of the season yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're playing them forty five minutes yeah, a game yeah, yeah. each. Isaiah Roby starts at the center for them and plays fifteen minute games, and then they have fifteen minutes per game, and then they have five other guys who play forty five minutes. It's literally fucking insane. Olivier Sarr. Yeah, don't forget, uh, my man Vic Cretchi, <laughs> main man Vic. Um, okay, yeah, it's pretty pretty chalk with the Trailblazers. Let's let's move on to, um, to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were set at thirty four and a half, which seemed like a pretty good. pretty good set like i i definitely was convinced that they would be in the mid 30s they've ended up at 46 and 36 so they've they've shattered it obliterated it thanks in part to a real strong second half of the year they were kind of sputtering around about 500 and then from from january onwards they and the lakers went in different directions they were they were in the plane together like jostling for position and then they literally just split um Mm -hmm. and ended up with almost opposite records um So I've gone over on this one and you've gone under, but this isn't one where I'm prepared to pat myself on the back because I I did say when we did this that I'm going on over essentially just on vibes
0: um, <laughs> and you're right like yeah they played really well they, they were one of the hottest teams at one point I think they won like nine in a row and they were really biting on the heels of the Denver Nuggets who you know had had solidified themselves as a playoff team and for for the Timberwolves to make the play and it's a little bit of a bummer because obviously the, the West is much more taller than the East is wide so you look you're the seventh seed in the West with 46 wins but if you had 46 wins you're the sixth seed and you know sniffing on five seed in the east um it's yeah I, I i was wrong i was talking about this team maybe being in the same region as sacramento and, and the spurs looking for those bottom playing spots and one of those sort of miserable treadmill kind of teams but um now they they are clearly a real team now uh, and chris finch who his him and his whole entire staff just got extended uh this morning so they've done a good job and it's looking like the minnesota tim will be a top 16 for the next couple of years
1: yeah, and they they they've ended up um, according to cleaning the glass 7th in offense and 13th in in D, which is I mean, you know, a, a lot of the time the context around the statistical strength of a playoff team's resume comes around to how close are you to the top 10 in both categories. 7 and 13, that's 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 pretty decent. Mm. Um, and they've somehow managed to build a good defensive, you know, decent defense around around Cat uh-huh. Essentially by surrounding him with long athletic defenders. Um then the Bill McDaniels have been really, really good because they're just like weak side help defending menaces. Yeah. Um Beverly's been really good for them as a point of attack defender as well. And we kind of we kind of poo-pooed him a little bit, um, his addition, but he has actually been
0: also also, the fact that he tweeted Memphis let's get this and he got traded a couple of hours later oh no go Minnesota Yeah, (laughs) like he's yeah he's playing into it let's move on to the next team Oklahoma City Thunder did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, just that I'm
1: not looking forward to seeing Pat Bev in the playoffs. <laughs> like, I've, got to deal well, with, yeah. I've got to deal with thinking about Marky Morris in the playoffs. I don't need Pat Bev in the playoffs as well. Well,
0: we're going to go on the JVJ NBA tribute show a couple of hours from now an hour and Aaron, 15 fucking minutes from now. Damn. Nice. N- 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 nice. is going to be working on that audacity <laughs> file. Um, so we, we we're going to be talking about the first round there. Um, I am, uh, I, I, I'm i going to predict that the Clippers beat the Timberwolves in the, first, in the play-in, uh, and the 2-7 matchup of the LA Clippers versus the Memphis Grizzlies will be very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, which would mean Pat Bev gets to push Chris Ball on the back again as well.
1: Gets to push Chris Ball on the back? What do you mean?
0: Remember last last yeah, season? Yeah, I remember the, the push,
1: but... Chris Paul plays for the Suns, something. Yeah, because
0: yeah, that would push, that would push um, Pat Bev to the 8th seed. So that he oh, true, baseball. true, true. Yeah, yeah, I
1: got you. I got
0: you. Um, yeah. All right, next team. Oklahoma City Thunder. Their number was set at 23.5 wins. Now, you went over, I went under. They ended up going under, but I can understand why you would go over because it was such a no, tiny time.
1: No, I, I begged to differ. They went over. It was... They, they, oh, won. They? they won it. Oh, did they? Won twenty four games. Oh no! Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh oh yeah. oh no! Get
0: that in post. Yeah. Um, they tried really hard. They tried really I'll, hard to lose. I'll tell
1: you the. I'll tell you the minutes loads <laughs> of their players in their last game against the Clippers, which they lost by fifty points at home. <laughs> so Georgios Kalatsakis played forty eight minutes. Uh, for those counting along at home, that's the entire game. That's the number of minutes that there are in the game. Jalen Horde played 45. Xavier Simpson played 40. <laughs> My man Vit played 40. Uh. Melvin Fraser played 43 and Isaiah Roby who started at center had 16 points in 18 minutes before they said
0: nah <laughs> that's Get out too there. clean it's too good I, I have never heard of Xavier Simpson in my life
1: I've never heard of Jalen Hoard Georgios Kalatsakis uh, Jalen, Jalen Hoard
0: was alright mate yeah. for the South Bay Lakers.
1: yeah I, and you know I've never heard of these blogs and I've got a basketball podcast a freaking so. basketball podcast yeah that's not, pretty shameless and again Mark Dagnall with the you know the Thunder. What's his career record through two seasons? It's probably like forty-five and one hundred, forty-five and one hundred and twenty. You know, like not yeah. particularly good.
0: And he's in no danger of losing his job. At least he's, uh, yeah. And at least he's not racking up the playoff losses because sometimes your playoff yeah. record counts more, doesn't it? The one
1: <laughs> takeaway that I would say just from just from that the the preview that we did, you know. Uh, in October is that I just said there's no way that this team can be as shameless in shutting down SGA as they were last year. Little did I know they actually could, <laughs> and they could be even more shameless by shutting down Josh Giddy for oh, three
0: months. Don't stop there, man. They, they shut down Kenridge Williams.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I will not be making that mistake again, uh, by underestimating the shamelessness, uh, and commitment to the tank that they have in Oklahoma.
0: Um, also, they uh, John Hollinger for the Athletic pointed this out where he talks about the tank that OKC is doing. Um, obviously, just shamelessly shutting down SJ and they, they shut down Josh Giddey, um, and his official reasoning was back soreness, and that is either incredibly untruthful or extremely worrying that he's got major back issues. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and back issues. Back, back issues that yeah lingered for three months. <laughs> the depth, the the day de- the. Ugh. The Deep Two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the... Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Wow, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of Before Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin.
0: Uh, Moving on to the next team, the Los Angeles Lakers, whose number was set at 52.5 wins. They were going to make the playoffs. You and I both picked the over. I
1: used the phrase fighting for the one (laughs) seed. Did you really?
0: Well, I mean health. Like, if Anthony Davis doesn't go down.
1: The crazy thing with this just in terms of like retrospective just just to just to get the number out there. they finished with 33 wins which is uh 20 less than what they would have needed to to hit this the whole conversation that we had all off season and that the greater nba community was having was that they pretty much fucked everything up and that they shouldn't have traded for Westbrook that he wasn't going to be good that the additions that they made were like low, the, you know, the minimum additions that they made were like low ceiling old guys that probably weren't going to hit. Mm. And we were like, yeah, like they pretty much done everything wrong and made themselves a worse team. But like, I think they'll probably be mid fifties. There's almost like a disconnect that we couldn't possibly <laughs> conceive of terrible team construction, having real consequences on the court. Mm. And then it appeared that they had real consequences on the, on the court. And you talk about health, you know, they wouldn't have been as, as bad had Davis not missed half the season, and LeBron yeah. missed twenty five games. The only that one of the big it. three that they um, didn't that, that that didn't miss uh, yeah. time was the one that they didn't want to play. <laughs> you probably couldn't have seen Russ be this bad, but you you could have seen Russ being bad. Like everyone, that's why we thought that this yeah. was going to happen.
0: Yeah,
1: um, there was a strange cognitive dissonance where it's like people, despite. Looking the facts in the face and acknowledging that those are the facts still couldn't get to the the, the decision that the facts would necessitate.
0: Yeah, you know, someone do,
1: get a, do like a psychology dissertation on this. <laughs> I
0: I get it, and like you know, if if you and I had had recognized that and looked at their absolute like flaw before the start of the season, we might have said play in like you know seven eight seed. But if you had come to me at the start of the year. And said, no, nah, they're going to be the 11th seed. They're going to miss the play-in. Like that would have just been unbelievable. Even if you told me that um, Anthony Davis is going to miss forever, like usual, uh, that, that Kendrick Nunn's going to miss the whole entire season. <laughs> um, like you know, at least Russell Westbrook, we thought was a floor raiser, and he was a he was a terrible addition to this team, but a floor raiser at least. But to to be the 11th seed is got to be the the worst of worst case scenarios.
1: Uh, absolutely and, and i think they're potentially in the running to be like the most disappointing team ever mm-hmm. that had serious expectations mm-hmm. but, you know even i'm casting my mind back now what's a more disappointing team like the the nets of like 2013-14 at least they got to the playoffs mm-hmm. you know obviously that they, they won around they won around obviously that turned to shit but they at least they got there yeah um the lakers lost or finished 11th to the Spurs who snuck into the play-in, who halfway through the season were dead to rights the 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 top five minutes getters on the Spurs include can Devin yeah Devin you, you can guess
0: on the, on the Spurs yeah on the Spurs I, I like Spurs Devin Vassel, Dejounte Murray, Jakub Hurdle, Calden Johnson and someone who
1: doesn't play for them anymore
0: Oh, Derek White.
1: Yeah, so you've got the five, but Jakob Pirtle is like a bang average NBA center. I, Devin Vassell. Hold is,
0: on, hold on. I had him as a dark horse for Defensive Player of the Year. No, well, he's
1: for for as good as he is defensively, um, he's still limited. Yeah. You, you, you know, you can only play a certain way with him, and offensively, he's like a, he's a, he's a net average. Yeah. Like he's a good, okay. he's a good on role defense. Man. He's good. Yeah. He's, he's an average centre. Look, I, v- I think that pushes him we're above average. Holy up. shit, derail the podcast. We're splitting <laughs> hairs. Um, Devin Vassell is like a young guy who kind of hasn't put it all together. Derek Wyatt, we know what he is. He's like a good starter. Calden Johnson, a good starter. DeJounte Murray, an all-star. That is, that is a team that essentially, when assembled, you would look at that team and go, yeah, I reckon they could get 34 wins, which is what they've gone and done. And the Lakers, <laughs> with... 30 million All-Star and All-NBA appearances between them, multiple MVPs, finals MVPs, couldn't even muster that. It's disgusting.
0: Yep, yeah, it is. Uh, I we, we need to do some thinking next time we do the over-unders because we, we talked about it. You just said it, cognitive dissonance. We talked about it. Just trust ourselves in what we're talking because we're very smart people. Very smart. Now, as
1: we get further and further into this podcast, I'm less and less convinced that I'm an intelligent bastard. Oh, really?
0: I thought you were going to go the other way. No, because... Oh, no, I've got a lot of green coming up. That's right. Oh, (laughs) you smug bastard. I've only lost three out of the next ten...
1: Well, we both know how this ends up, so you're awfully smart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The next team is the Phoenix Suns, whose number was set at 51.5. We both picked the over. We were worried about something which we've completely forgot to worry about, which is the fact that DeAndre Aydin didn't sign an extension before the start of the year. Uh, I remember mentioning that the only number one overall picks that hadn't signed an extension before before entering their fourth year were Markel Fultz and Anthony Bennett. Um, but yeah, we we both recognise that this team went to the finals. They're young enough to get better outside of Chris Paul, who you know is 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 just who he is. Um, this team's young enough to get better and might just be the new Utah Jazz. Maybe not with the playoff resume, but this might be the uh, the Utah Jazz just winning machine when it comes to the regular season.
1: Yeah, could could definitely be. Um, you know, we'll obviously have a a somewhat artificial. Sealing on the longevity of that because we have to build, you know, build in Chris Paul's death. D- yeah, de- death, crossed. um crossed. But I don't, I don't, really, I don't really have anything to say about this. Like
0: we both just got it right.
1: We both got it right. This team's fucking sick. I'm so excited to see them in the playoffs. I think that <laughs> we're gonna win
0: the championship. I had a. How's trip-
1: that for? a lack of cautious optimism i'm just being optimistic <laughs> caution's thrown to the wind
0: i um i actually had a dream that you and i played each other in the conference finals Golden state Warriors versus Phoenix. <laughs> well, go going, on dan I you got the whole you... squad laughing <laughs> denver nuggets no no I
1: you were gonna say like you and me like oh. we're on the court
0: oh i thought it was denver nuggets
1: champions. like i'm like like i'm i'm mass <laughs> up against you on the wing and i'm like calling for a clear out Um, Clear out high screen, let's go.
0: Well, I had a dream, and I got really hot and heavy, well, hot and sweaty in the dream. (laughs) Heavy's fucking sexual. That um, yeah, Jordan Paul was like going out for a shot, and Chris Paul, after getting schooled like five times down the court by Jordan Paul, who's just swagging all over him, Chris Paul undercuts him, picks up his leg and snaps it, and I just get so fuming, angry again. Like every time I watch Chris Paul play basketball, I and it sucks. That- Paul
1: would snap someone's leg in half with his bare hands as well. Like he's the exact sort of asshole to do that.
0: Yeah. Hey, you understand. Um, and then I just look at you and you're just like, well, that was actually, yeah, that was a dog play. And I just think to myself like, damn it. He's on my side. I've got no outlet. I don't have a, I don't have a personification of human. <laughs> it's right too reasonable. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, that's a really nice segue into our next <laughs> team, which is the golden state. Warriors. your second favorite team? uh their over was set at 48.5 they've ended up with 53 after looked for a long a long time this season that they were going to be a threat to hit 60 they've still smashed past it at 53. we've both gone over now you went over in the moment i've gone over on our mulligans which we did approximately three weeks into the season where we both got one that we could correct um, and so I've gone over with the mulligan. Um, so, you know, it still counts as a point, but I'm willing to admit that there's not as much purity and honor in, in my <laughs> over as yours.
0: Yeah. I, I, I said the Golden State Warriors are going to maybe get the four or five seed in the Western Conference, which would, you know, put them around 50 wins, 48 wins. I'm obviously being optimistic and not even cautious. I'm just way over the top optimistic when it comes to the Warriors, um, but look, we, we hit the high water mark. Obviously, we were the number one seed and we seeded that number one seed and then the number two seed. But really, if you look at the preseason expectations, we wanted to get the four or five seed. We wanted home court in the first round and we've been able to get home court for more than the first round with the, with the third seed. Um, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, I, I'm... Proud of the lads. You know, gutsy performance, gutsy season, especially given the All time. All credit to the boys. Especially given the time that Stephen Curry has missed. Um Yeah, it's just uh Do you if you knew where Clay
1: is right now? What, after scoring no, no, thirty five
0: plus points for the
1: three pass games? <laughs> if you knew in October that he would be this healthy, this playing at the level that he's currently playing at. Like, are you happy with that? Like, you're is that a success? Is that a win? If I'd known in
0: October, well,
1: let's this is, maybe it's unnecessarily abstract. If you knew now, which you do, <laughs> knowing now what you know currently, are you ha- is this a win for Clay's performance yeah. this season going yeah. into the off season? Are you like, this is as good as it can get? Like, I'm um, he's ready to go, or do you still have like. He's working his way back. Did you have reservations? Talk to me.
0: So, when I went on the Download NBA podcast with Will Conkin and Don Yang, I said I was a little bit, because um, I think we had just seen the Clay Thompson return game. Um, and he, he, he was forcing it a lot in the first month or two since he came back. And he was very much, it was like he was making up for lost time. It's like, okay, Clay obviously hasn't played in forever volume shooter, but a guy who only ever took shots in the flow of the game. The only time he didn't, he scores 39 and a quarter or scores 61 in, in 30 seconds. So like, you know, he's very much in the flow of the game and he was taking shots that weren't in the flow of the game. He was taking, you know, five dribble um, post-ups where he's had to he's, he's had to post up the guy and then he's taking some contested fader over him. And the whole time this is going on, he actually hadn't played a single sec. Well, he had played seven seconds with Draymond Green to that point. And he still only played, what is it, like, less than 30 minutes with Draymond Green this season. And I I was a bit like, holy shit, has has there just been this mentality change for a guy who... Is a bit of a wackadoo guy in Clay Thompson uh, mentally, in terms of just being a fun guy that, you know, just doesn't conform with the rest of society as a superstar. But a guy who, you know, he knows that he can just take any shot and he's the best shooter in the whole entire world. A guy who has been out of the game for two years and he's obviously spoken about the struggles that he had mentally when he wasn't in the game and, and wanting to, like, you know, play and win games and stuff. So has he just come back and gone, okay, I need to change who I am as a player and I need to jack up all these shots? And I was a bit worried about that. But in this past week, in the past two weeks and that whole the whole resurgence against the Utah Jazz to come back from down 19 he was taking shots in the flow of the offense Um, luckily for the past three games he's been like incendiary which is awesome and obviously everything's in the flow everything's in the flow of the game when you're that hot um, so I I feel much better right now to answer your question. But if you'd asked me this a month ago, I would be a bit like, okay, there's been a mentality change in Clay Thompson. I'm not sure he's he's obviously not that that guy defensively, and we've got Gary Payton, who is that guy defensively now. So you sort of have to make up with some of your parts there, as opposed to having the best three and D role player. You've just got you know the best three point shooter and the best D on your team. But um, I feel so much better now. Just, uh, just finishing that season so strong has been huge. And uh, yeah, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would say the Phoenix Suns will beat Golden State in the conference finals. Maybe we don't even get there. But after I think it all started when we lost you two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since then, I feel extremely confident that we can beat you in a seven-game series.
1: Yeah, well, I also feel uh, trepidatious that you, are, <laughs> that you can beat us in a seven-game series.
0: Um, just, just a couple of stats because, obviously, I like the Warriors. Uh, Steph Curry, who missed an entire month of basketball, leads the NBA in three-pointers. Uh, and Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson finished under 40% from three uh, for the first time in five years. And now the only player in the NBA who is, you know, however Charlie Cummings describes a volume three-point shooter, the only, the only player to shoot... Um, over 40% for five plus seasons on volume is Seth Curry
1: runs in the family <laughs> you might say
0: all right let's move on to the Los Angeles Clippers who were projected to go into the play-in with 43 and wins you hit the under, I hit the over. They ended up in the play-in with 42 wins, so you get that one.
1: Precision operator. Over the
0: here. the uh, the the theory of this team worked out as it was supposed to work out with Paul George being the sort of only offensive Dynamo on this team, um, got injured. <laughs> didn't really go as well as 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 they liked but I really like them as you know I'll, I'll I'll go back to you about your over under in a second but I really like them as a playing team who've just got Norman Powell back after just making that trade at the deadline before he injured himself a game later just got Paul George back which sort of came out of nowhere no one was talking about that at all this is like a quite a dangerous team and it looks like is going to be out for the whole entire season he he's still only doing individual workouts as of last week but this is a uh, this is quite a sexy team, and they could they could live out the uh, the theory of what they thought they were going to be throughout the whole entire season in the next three weeks. Yeah, and obviously um,
1: George being out was a massive dampener on their ability to, to rack up wins. But I I thought that this team is going to be really bad because I was just at the start of the season looked and I was like I don't really think that any of these guys are um, similar to the Nuggets role players. Mm-hmm. I don't think that any of these guys are guys who's going to like play above their heads when needed. And unlike the Nuggets, there's no star to that like, title together. So I thought they were going to be like a mid-30s team, to be honest. I, I was pretty confident in 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 the under. Obviously, I just snuck it in. But bringing in Covington uh, and Powell, they've both been really good for them. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, who like, you know, two months after he signed that $64 million extension with them was like getting, he was getting DMP CDs. Yeah. He's now
0: like you know sixth man microwave scoring, but dynamo. but also because he's not going to hit his bonuses of being like an all star, that is looking more like four for forty four.
1: Yeah, still it was it was
0: a big deal, a big for deal. No, it was for like nothing. yeah,
1: it was for a dude who was like really like that's the contract, and and you know he he has obviously like brought it around, and Ty Lu being a really good coach has, I'm sure helped, but other dudes have have just like stepped in, like tennis Manns continues to get better. Um, Hartenstein, your boy, has had a nice season as a backup big behind Zubart. So There's just like a lot of dudes who ended up actually being able to play above their heads quite well. Reggie Jackson, like tying it all together. Mm. Um, yeah, this team's gonna be really tough out uh, in the past gonna, mm. gonna make it. Gonna make you earn it. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised by how good they were all season long.
0: Next team is the Sacramento Kings, whose number was set at 36 and a half. Uh, if you had known that they were gonna make a win now trade, you might have gone over, but. We both went under, and we we're still correct because, hey, the Kings are going to... Kings, uh, they won 30 games, so that's six and a half games under their prediction before they made a win-now trade. So do you want to talk much about this or just Kings, Kings, Kings?
1: They they made a win-now trade that made them worse. And they, and they got shut they down. Went, they played like eight games before they um, decided to shut everyone down. Um, the... The King's uh, last few seasons have, uh, in terms of record, have produced 30, 31, 31, 39, 27, 32, 33, 29, 28, 22, 24, 25, that's the last 11 years. Um, the Kings are the, the the NBA team version of like what number does the record start with? Uh, and there's a lot of twos and a lot of threes in there. And I'm not really interested in you know organizationally like Kings going to Kings. The Fountain of McNair, which for you at one point, <laughs> for you at one point, seemed so prosperous. It's like what the fuck are these blokes doing? Like.
0: Anyway, so uh, let me read you a report that came out this morning. Um, I don't think I sent it into a group chat, but there was an initial report that said that Elvin Jones, will not be uh, coming in and that Mark Jackson and Kenny Atkinson are among coaching candidates for the Kings. You can't, you can't <laughs> Mark Jackson, you literally cannot. Um, all right. So let me just read you an excerpt from Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee's report that the, the title is that Monty McNair believed to be running kings freely despite history of ownership influence. So then it starts off with a few quotes about people saying how Vivek always gets in the way. Uh, some more quotes about Vivek getting in the way. The word toxic is thrown around. It's uh it's very bad. But then at the end, <laughs> um, multiple sources told the Sacramento Bee that the dynamic has changed since Monty McNair replaced divach in September 2020. A minority, which I don't know whether that means minority ownership or, <laughs> or young person, um, a minority said he believes McNair is currently operating without interference, which is quite scary for, for sippers of the Monty McNair because I wouldn't think that a win-now trade is in, his, is in his arsenal. But, quote, I've looked people in the eye and said, we know this has been a problem. Is it a problem today? And they're telling me it's not, said this minority. Quote, does Vivek have the right to approve trades or give, give his input? Yeah, but I don't believe Vivek is micromanaging Monty. I believe Monty is in charge and has total control, which is awesome, except for the part where he goes, does Vivek have the right to approve trades or give his input? Yeah, that seems a little bit like the past few things. And if you look at everything that Monty McNair, you know, puts himself out there as the the smart thinking basketball analytic mind to make a win now trade when you're the fucking like 12 seed, doesn't seem like a move that he would make. So
1: you're saying you're saying he's
0: intouchable. Yeah, yeah.
1: So you're saying that, My that boy, you're still drinking from the fountain, and that he was framed.
0: This is me drinking from the fountain.
1: Oh, so he was framed. ASMR, tastic. It's going to sound horrible. Um, okay, well, let's let's move on because I've <laughs> nothing more to say about this miserable franchise. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks kicking off the Southwest portion uh of this episode 48.5 wins and they've gone over they've gone over they finished with 52 wins 52 and 30 um in the ballpark but well done to the Mavs I actually can't remember what my thought process was for going um under as as you also went under and I, it would have seemed remember. well it would have seemed halfway through the season at the trade deadline when they traded pausing us the that this was like a, a sure thing mm. Bringing in Dinwiddie and Bertans, who had been potentially two of the twenty worst NBA players this season, and bam,
0: trade away Paul Zingers and get better. If <laughs> well, only
1: it worked out that way for the Knicks. Well,
0: the the reason I went under is because I didn't like the fit of the Zinger, um, and I didn't like the fact that he could he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, If you would give me this number at the start of the year, because if you remember how high I was on uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I would have obviously gone over. Much as like how I stayed high on Spencer Dinwiddie despite the the rough time with with Washington. Uh, You're a visionary. uh, I'm looking good, yeah. Um, I should should probably have sold my uh, Dinwiddie stock by now, but if you know anything about Dinwiddie, it's probably going to keep going because he just gets paid in crypto or whatever the fuck. Um, But yeah, if if you had told me Dinwiddie was going to start this team and you're going to have Dinwiddie instead of the Zinger, I actually would have gone over because I love the theory of this team. Um, But yeah, I didn't like the Zinger there and they were so much better after the deadline than they were before it that it knocked us both off this under um, the over-under line. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Memphis <laughs> Grizzlies, whose number was set at 41.5 wins that are projected for the play-in. We both went over, but I know I only went slightly over. Uh, so I, look, I get the victory here and I get the point, but uh, I don't feel great about it because they won 56 games, which, similar to the lake, has been 22 under. This is 15.5 over. So kudos to the Grizz for just getting better and better. And who knew a team with a heap of young players that's coached well uh, are actually really good?
1: Yeah, they blew. They blew past it. Um, they finished last season just slightly above five hundred and snuck into the eight seed um, through the plane. And and this season was just like complete juggernaut. And again, another team that's you know spent a lot of time this season. I think maybe like twenty five games without jar, and they were like twenty two and three or something in, mm. in that. So um, that's a coaching masterclass. And if Taylor Jenkins does end up winning. Coach of the year, I think it's well deserved. Uh, and as a Monty Williams coach of the year, Stan, I won't be salty. Um,
0: you should. Yeah, you, you, Monty Williams needs a makeup for last year. Yeah. Well, Monty Williams will get a
1: chip, so and that can be the makeup for last year. <laughs>
0: Fucking salt <and> vinegar chip.
1: <laughs> I actually froth salt and vinegar chips so much. My brother has COVID. Um, shout out to you, Louis, if you're listening. I'm going to go and buy him some salt and vinegar chips uh, oh, after this. Very nice. Maybe, maybe I can get something special for myself well i got a bag of french fries
0: in the uh you got any tv snacks? yeah just, just bit out bit. of interest no. yeah. um, um i also got a sore tummy it's weird uh the next the next team is the new orleans pelicans whose number was set at 39 and a half. uh i originally went over you also went over i used this as my one mulligan pick halfway through the year because fuck zion wasn't playing fuck we didn't know at the time I went under. Obviously, got the under. Now they've snuck into the play-in, but they've snuck into the nine seed with thirty-six wins. So, I only just missed this. You you would hope that Zion Williamson being there would win you more than four games. So, I can understand why we both picked over before the start of the season. Can
1: you imagine if we get to like October and it's like Zion's not playing? like the start of next season he doesn't play in pre-season it's like load management but then it's like where, opening night where is he can you imagine <laughs> that scenario like what is yeah it's a it's a broader conversation but what is going on over there truly what is going on with that man's health yeah look after yourself big fella you're gonna get that foot right
0: the next team, the San Antonio Spurs, who are set at 29 and a half, they're projected for the lottery. You went under, I went over. Um, so the magic number was 25 for Pop to get that uh, that winning record. And, you know, I, I think that whatever he did, he was going to get that number. It's actually looking like he might come back for a season next season. But um, Don't do it,
1: Pop. Whatever, go, go home.
0: whatever he did, he was going to get that number. Um, and honestly, I uh, can't remember why I picked them to go too much over because... This is five wins over that number, and that is 10 wins over their Pops Magic number to get the all time win record. Um, why did you go under?
1: Because I kind of, um, similarly to looking at the Clippers roster, I was like, there's just not that many good NBA players on this roster. Mm. There's young dudes who haven't proven anything, who would need to break out in a major way to be a factor. None of them really did that. Yeah. There's bang average NBA role players. There's guys like DeJounte Murray or Derek White, who if you told me they'd had a leap in them, I would have been like, maybe. <laughs> Obviously that ended up being the case with Murray. He was an all-star, yeah. um, you know, kind of like lifting them um, out of the 20s and into the 30s. But th- this again is, is a team that it's impressive that they outperformed at least my expectations of them. But a team that has benefited so much um, so much from the profligacy of the Lakers, Kings, and Trailblazers uh, teams that, at least at the start of the season, um, in the Kings and the Trailblazers cases, were trying to win. Um, so yeah. you know, that, and 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 that's the the beauty of the plan, the the curse of the plan, is that it's just like teams that for most of the season didn't really actually show that much of an interest in being really good or showed a complete inability to be really good, actually end up kind of like sneaking him. Yeah. So um, if that, if that sounds, that sound too much like me being salty that I
0: went under. <laughs> no, the, the Spurs should be tanking. In credit
1: sh- to, credit to pop. Like yeah, huge, credit to pop. huge, um, huge accomplishment, a to be the winningest coach in NBA history. And also huge accomplishment to get this team to 34 wins.
0: But like, In terms of the Spurs winning their next championship, it would have been much better to just tank all out, and they probably might have done that if they had a different coach. And just yeah, well,
1: also they're not tanking next season if Pop comes back. So it's like, what's what are you coming back for? Yeah, is the team going to be better next season? Like maybe, but like probably not playoff better. Like probably not like top six seeds. If you're just coming back for another season of being in the play-in, then Pop like. (laughs) have a rest bro you've been doing this for 25 years <laughs> no you must like it yeah uh,
0: let's oh, move on to so. the, let's move on to the final team the houston rockets whose number was set at twenty six and a half. we both went under uh they went under and it also helps that Jalen green wasn't as good as i thought he was going to be in his rookie season uh he kind of
1: turned it on towards
0: the end uh he scored a lot of points and he took a lot of shots
1: yeah remember when it was like They'd lost like thirteen straight and it was like Steven Silas is gonna get
0: fired. What yeah, that was wild.
1: Um, and then they won like eight in a row and then they just that was that ended up being forty percent of their win total in like one yeah. stretch. It
0: was it was the Garrison, Garrison Matthews bub.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> they were the worst team in the league. So they have the best uh, the best odds at getting the ping pong balls falling their way when it comes
0: to uh um, blurring.
1: The lottery. So, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Green next season. Can't wait to see them win 24 games.
0: Can, can I tell you, Jalen Green splits pre and post All-Star. So, before the All-Star break, uh, he was shooting 38% from the floor and he had an offensive rating of 96 with a defensive rating of 120. Yeah. And then in the 24 games after the All-Star break, he turned it up and shot 47% from the floor. And had an offensive rating of 114, and somehow a worse defensive rating at 121. Yeah, um, it's if all right. He's if Tommy re-
1: Jalen Grant shoots 47 percent from the floor in any one season, I'd be like, that's a really good season because he's um, someone who's going to be taking shots with flair and high difficulty, <laughs> um, high difficulty shots. All right, um, that's the last team, and it's the second episode of two part special, which means that it's time to tally up the votes. Now, I've just realized that um, I had counted the Rockets as a loss for both of us, even though it was a win for both of us. So that actually bumps our um, numbers up. So the winner is both of us. No, no one's the winner. The winner is both of us because friendship always wins. We both finished <laughs> we both finished with fourteen, Shawnee. Which I think for you might be a step back, but for me it's a it's an improvement on last year. So Um <laughs> you, you said you said in October if you get fifty percent you're an expert. So we're not quite experts yet, but you know, next season I'm coming for that sixteen,
0: seventeen. It's uh yeah. Um yeah bit of a down year but what's the the total score is two for me zero for you one for draw
1: yeah or you yeah it's scorekeeping
0: our, th- our third year we got, we're going in a couple of months we're gonna do our fourth over-unders how cool is that yeah and well, then we have to do off-season grades we're coming up to time.
1: we're coming up to episode 150 as well yeah um the, the ton and a half um just before we go it's a conversation that I want to have with you um which is to let listeners know that we're doing merch again We are doing another round of merch. They are beautiful, beautiful white t-shirts with a wonderful graphic uh, on the front. We're selling them for $45 a pop. Um, We have limited supply and we have done a little cheeky pre-sale. So if you're interested, um, head to the Instagram. We'll upload some photos of what they look like uh, and tell you how to purchase them. Um, But they are absolutely stunning and you will not want to miss out on the absolute hottest merch. Uh, the hottest merch, really, since the JVG uh, NBA tribute show did their did their hats,
0: and before that, since
1: the Deep J NBA podcast yeah. did their jumpers. So it's arguably top three hottest merch of the last <laughs> of the last six to eight months.
0: Um, can I just say, yeah. seven minutes ago, Gary Payton II uploaded pictures of him on Instagram guiding the best players in the league. Is that what you're doing when I'm talking? You're on Gary Payton's
1: <laughs> Gary Payton the second's Instagram.
0: Sick. Um, no, I, I knew you had it. I knew, I knew you had this unlocked. Let me just... Yeah, see. I had it on lock. Just left me in... Just in. like Gary Payton. Um, so there's a picture of him guiding Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, Trey Young, and they're all him just like looking at the ground. James Harden, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, who's that? <laughs> Kevin Forte Jr. Damn, wow, it must have taken a while to get those pictures. And Luca.
1: Do you reckon he went through and got those pictures himself? Or did he contact the photographer and tell me, send sure, me...
0: J-Squared does stuff for the Warriors. Who is J-Squared? Just a photographer. Just a <laughs> photographer. Well, it was not just a photographer, but... Um, yeah, does, uh does does a lot of hype stuff for, uh, for the young Warriors. Also, um, uh, all the Warriors refer to Iggy as the old man yeah fair enough Um, and he's the OG the old guy yeah he's pretty cute
1: does um, JJ Redick not have like a trademark on old man uh, in NBA no he's
0: got a he's got a trademark on old man in the three
1: yeah but what's the first two words of old man in the three shit yes. just yes. clicked told you a little bit such a shit joke fuck um dude, don't be uh, don't be too high kind on of yourself um so <sighs> that seems like a good place for us to leave it did you sure. say we
0: have shirts I was doing something <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you next week um. I'll speak to you in two days I'll speak to you in 45 minutes when we do the next podcast Wow, well, we're grinding it out we're grinding it out If you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers.
1: If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider.
0: The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than, well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering
1: service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition.